There is sickness in the house. Seriously, we've got some sickness in the house that is going to keep us from recording the episode that we would be recording at this time. So we're going back to October the 18th of 2020 with one of our most informative podcasts that we have ever done. This episode touches on how prepping is a personal thing, how it's based on what you need and your family's needs, as well as discussing everyday carry items, how to carry those items, and how to make the right choices from you. On this episode, we cover everything from toothpicks to firearms. We'll be back with you on Monday, but from October the 18th of 2020, here is Everyday Carry Items, How to Carry Those Items, and how to make the right choices for you. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. We are Practical Preppers. We are a married couple and the authors of two books, Making Contact During Emergencies and Practical Prepping for Everyday People. So what do we prep for? Well, it's best termed general prepping. We're most likely to face weather emergencies, but we can use our preps for just about anything like normal emergencies of life. For example, a flat tire, dead battery, running out of gas, medical emergencies, things like that. Prepping is a personal thing. It's what you will need. It's what concerns you. You make the choices. You decide. What we don't prep for is alien invasions or a zombie apocalypse, although I think that would be fun. A little bit about the podcast. We want to focus on the practical. We're not going to talk about underground bug-out bunkers. We're not saying you need to have five years of food stored up. We're not going to tell you you must have certain pieces of equipment. We're not even going to tell you that you must have our books. They'd make it easier, but it's not a necessity. We're going to talk about practical prepping, prepping for the most likely threats that we will face. In our area here in North Alabama, we're most likely to face weather-related events, primarily tornadoes and strong thunderstorms. That can sometimes give us a loss of power. Our prepping sure came in handy also for 2020, for COVID-19. When things started running out and people couldn't buy toilet paper, couldn't find toilet paper, couldn't find certain grocery items, certain over-the-counter medications, we had already stored up. And so we didn't have to go panic buying at all during the entire time that we were in shutdown in uh, March and April. And we created our practical prepping for that. We just ate right out of our pantry, and we were so fortunate that we still had electricity and water, so we didn't have any concerns there. It was kind of interesting that some of the other threats we were looking at were murder hornets, and we were even talking one night that we're not at all surprised in 2020 if they come up with tiger squirrels or killer frogs or things like that, but we're just being kind of funny. Right now, we're seeing the worst of the wildfires in the Northwest. Millions of acres burned there. A lot of folks dislocated from their house. I should say displaced from their homes. Mm -hmm. We had a family member that 
had to evacuate. Had to evacuate. She had to place all of her peacocks and birds with a sanctuary before she and her husband could evacuate, and they were gone for a week. And they came back, and fortunately, their house was spared, but their neighbors lost right. everything. And in Louisiana, just this week, we've seen another hurricane go through, Hurricane Delta. Mm-hmm. And I saw where it made uh, landfall 12 miles from where Laura made landfall. So those folks are going through some real issues right now. I've gotten some information from the coast with some kin folks that are down that way, distant kin. A lot of stores closed. It's hard to buy gasoline. It's hard to buy food. And later this year, we'll be seeing some major snow events somewhere in the United States. Being 2020, it might be Florida that gets 28 inches of snow, (laughs) Mm. but we expect to have some snow situations here before the year is out. We're also preparing and are prepared for those everyday emergencies. Things like dead batteries, flat tires, and running out of gas. On this podcast, we plan to have something for every level of prepping, from the beginner to the established. From time to time, we'll bring on experts that will talk about their particular field of expertise. And at times, we'll talk about gear, and gear's good. We'll occasionally have some gear reviews, but we're not going to tell you that you have to have a particular list of gear. Again, this is a personal situation. It's about what you will need to survive or thrive during an SHTF situation. Let me define SHTF situation. One of the ladies asked in one of the forums the other day what that was to define an SHTF. I call it Schumer hits the fan or stuff hits the fan. Use your favorite substitute there. But it really depends on your situation. It might be a total grid down situation, but it's more likely to be something personal. We've talked about the weather events that we have here in North Alabama. We've talked about job losses in the past, being prepared. One lady said that her having prepared for about a year and a half, when she lost her job, she didn't have to worry about groceries for the next three or four months. And she was able to just focus on her family, and they were able to eat from their preps. And that brings up another good idea here to to mention, is as you're stocking up food, buy things that your family normally eats. If your family doesn't eat beans at all, there's no need in buying 50 pounds of beans. Uh, That just makes a a heavy paperweight. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to buy 50 pounds of rice or 50 pounds of anything, especially getting started. I like the one and two pound bags. They're a lot easier to handle. You can do what you need to with them when you open them. You can use them up in a relatively short time frame. But again, this this totally depends on your situation and what you believe your needs may be. We'll tell you a lot of things that you might want to have, but our only must-haves are these three things. A smoke detector, carbon monoxide detector, a fire extinguisher, and a radio that receives NOAA weather alerts. You need something more than just apps on your telephone. You need something that's going to wake you up in the middle of the night if a tornado is coming your direction. We'll talk about skills, skills that you should have or should learn. 
Last episode, we talked about a skill that every prepper should have. In fact, every person should have, and that's the skill of being able to perform CPR. I read a, a story this morning about an off-duty police officer was in Home Depot, and a family had gone to Home Depot to get some wood, and this lady's husband grabbed her chest and fell over on the wood. This off-duty police officer having been trained in CPR, knew what to do, and the photo that was in there was of the family and the police officer. So his life was saved because somebody knew what to do. You know, you're much more likely to need to use CPR for a family member than you are to need to use a firearm to protect your family. Hmm. I've heard that. Statistically, that is correct. Learn CPR. You You might save a life. Sorry to interrupt. You can get CPR training at most any fire station or American Red Cross office. They can direct you to classes. I know that when I was teaching in a school setting, we were actually offered CPR training and certification. The fire department came to the school and we went in small groups and we trained CPR for adults. We trained CPR for adolescents. And we train CPR for infants, an entirely different process. We do strongly recommend that you learn CPR because it's just like Mark said, how many times is something going to happen where there may be a, a heart attack, a choking, some someone passing out, something breathing has stopped. And it might depend on you or me to be able to know what to do at that moment and not wait. Obviously, call 911 if you can, and then immediately begin to take action because it can save a life. And let me say this. If you haven't had the formal training and somebody in your presence needs CPR, don't be afraid to try it. They're dead if you don't. Yeah, the 911 dispatchers are amazing. They, they can even talk you through it. They will talk you through it mm-hmm. on the telephone. But don't be afraid to try it because you've not been trained. And and be guided by those folks on 911 with those pre-arrival instructions. What's okay. our topic for today? I'm glad you asked me that, Mark. Our topic for today is EDC. Now, that stands for Everyday Carry, which is basically a bag or a container of some sort that has in it packed what you need for your needs for everyday normal emergencies. It can well, it's be- actually whatever you carry every yeah. day. Everybody carries something. Women carry a purse. That's kind of an EDC, isn't it? That's an EDC. And we have important stuff in there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, we do. Men carry wallets. We all carry mm-hmm. cell phones and keys. But we want to cover some of the other things that you may want to carry either on your body or in an EDC bag. And you don't have to call it an EDC bag. Women, it's a purse. I carry one little crossbody bag that's just awesome little bag. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a backpack crossbody. And he does take it everywhere we go. Restaurants are open for dining in now, and we walk in, and he's got his EDC on his shoulder. And in that bag are going to be a lot of necessities that he considers important to take every day. One thing about EDC, you want to kind of blend in with the crowd. If you're going to be an EDC, everyday carry ladies with the purse, men might be a backpack. Well, ladies could carry a backpack, too. A lot of folks are carrying backpacks. And some of these backpacks are very spacious and can carry a great deal of things. And if you're in a professional environment, something like a computer bag. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Or a book bag. 
some type of zipper pouch. But now if you're on a college campus, then a backpack with a water bottle strapped to it with a carabiner, Mm -hmm. perfectly in place. Right. That just looks completely in place and normal. A lot of things that we'll carry in our own EDC bag will be something like over-the-counter medications. We have been able to squeeze a roll, a complete roll of toilet paper into our (laughs) everyday carry bag and our car bag. You just never know. Hand wipes, wet wipes, hand sanitizer wipes, eye drops, small tools, things like that. We'll get into that. I always have a couple of days of my prescription medications in my EDC bag. Absolutely. You just never know when you might be in a situation where you may be 150 miles away from home overnight and you suddenly realize, oh, You know, I've been in situations where I haven't had my prescription because I didn't expect that I would be staying overnight, like got caught in a snowstorm, ice on the roads or that kind of thing. And so I have, you know, lesson learned. I think we've all been through things where we now look at it and go, oh, I'm not going to be caught, you know. Remember that phrase, don't leave home without it. We kind of think that way about our everyday carry bag as well. And I'm bad about getting to work and realize I forgot to take my medication before I left home. Mm -hmm. So now I have two days left in my bag. Talk to us a little bit, Mark, about flashlights. You're kind of our flashlight guru here in the family. Flashlights are one of those things that you want to carry every day. On my notes here, I've got flashlight or three. I actually counted up the other day, and I had three on my body. Mm -hmm. I carry a little O-light in my shirt pocket. I carry, and it's a single AAA. I carry a two AA battery light in my back pocket. Uh, We have the little Surefire Sidekick 300 Lumen rechargeable on our keychains. Mm -hmm. Another one that I have is the Bushnell Pro. 125 it's about 25 bucks now we've got some top-end flashlights as well and and really it's just what fits your need if it's surefire if it's streamlight if it's olight it's going to be a good flashlight but you need some kind of flashlight with you you're fumbling around trying to find your keys get into the house trying to get the key right side up instead of upside down in the door. Even those little single battery keychain lights work for that. Any light is better than no light. Something else that I carry every day, it's on my hip right now, is a multi-tool. You want to have some type of knife or multi-tool if you're able to carry that uh, where you work. Obviously, if you're a student in high school, you're not going to be able to carry a knife. Mm-hmm. But um, some type of multi-tool is good to have. We'll talk on another podcast about our go bags or our car bags or get home bag, whatever you want to call it. We have fixed blade knives in there. We also have a folding knife in there. I carry a folder, about a four inch folding blade each day. I also carry a pocket knife and I'm bad to carry a pen knife. <clears throat> With about a one-inch blade, I've actually found some uses for that recently. I carry a knife as well. Actually, I have two knives that I carry on me as well. In my line of work, actually, I am involved sometimes with having to open up some packaging for the products that I have at my work. And I'm permitted to, in fact, even supplied with cutting tools and knives. And they're just very handy to have around as long as you're very safe with it and you're not you know, reckless with it. It's like Mark said to check your ordinances, 
we know here in, in our county, you cannot go into the courthouse with a knife, and you're certainly not going to go into an airport. You know, just it's the common sense thing. Remember, if you're going into a place that has those types of ordinances, be mindful of that. Don't be that guy that's just going to be, uh, take my knife everywhere I want to go. Just be, be mindful of the laws and the regulations and the ordinances. We want to be good citizens. We're not looking to make trouble. But we're looking to get out of trouble if we get into it in terms of being preppers. We're not here to try to cause problems for people or or exert our quote-unquote rights. And you're not talking about a knife fight for getting out of trouble. No, no, no. You're talking about being able to use that as a tool. Yeah, if I had to cut a seatbelt or something. That's one of the things. Yes, that's another thing that we carry every day, although it's not on our body or in our bag. But it's in the side pocket of each of our doors. And that is a glass break and seat belt cutter. Doors uh, of the car, that is. Uh, yeah. The doors in the car, yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually carry one in my patrol car as well. It's a little hammer-looking device with a handle, and the other end of it has a seat belt cutter on mm-hmm. it. So you can break a window to get in or out, or you can cut the seat belt to get someone out. Some of the Gerbers now, some of the Leathermans now have a seatbelt tool on them. And a multi-tool is a great thing to be carrying. You use it for so many things. Have you ever wanted to design your own knife? One where you design the blade, select your steel, select the handles, and even the type of sheath, but thought that maybe it was cost prohibitive? Well, Jim Curtis can build that knife at a price below what I would have expected for a custom knife. There are two ways you can purchase a Jim Curtis knife. One, you can design your own knife and Jim will build it. Or two, you can also purchase a knife already crafted by Jim Curtis. Whichever you choose, it comes with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two band-aids. Yes, they really are that sharp. You can see Jim's work on Facebook at Jim Curtis Knives, or there is a link from our website. I used to carry a Leatherman. I'm now carrying a Gerber. Uh, It was gifted to me recently, and I'm getting used to it because of the differences. But one of the things that I did want to touch on here is I'm looking at the Leatherman Squirt PS4. It's called a keychain multi-tool. It's under $40, and it's so small, it's like two and a half inches long, has a mini set of pliers on it, and sometimes the tools on a regular multi-tool are too large for something I may be doing, and I'm looking at this to carry in place of a pocket knife. Uh, It's actually smaller than the pocket knife that I carry on a daily basis. But you need some type of multi-tool folding knife, something to be able to cut some objects with. You'll be surprised how many times you'll use that. Let's talk about first aid for a moment. Okay. IFAC, I-F-A-K, Individual First Aid Kit. These can be, and we've, we've got a number of these. We've built them for different purposes. And the first one that we carry, and probably the one that gets used the most, is what we call the boo-boo kit. It's got Band-Aids in it, antibacterial cream, or little wipes, something like that. Another thing that we carry, is, and we mentioned it a while ago with our prescription medication and stuff, is a little Altoids 10. I like the little bitty ones, the small Altoids 10, to be able to carry OTC and prescription meds. 
You can put a few wet wipes in there, the little small packets. You can even carry toothpicks or something like that, which I have a little tube of toothpicks in my EDC bag. A couple of other things you might want to consider putting into your first aid bag or your IFAC is an arterial tourniquet. There's three really good ones that um, are on the market, commercially made. The CAT, the Combat Application Tourniquet, the RATS, the Rapid Application Tourniquet, and the SWAT. T is a stretch, wrap, and tuck tourniquet, but it works well as a pressure dressing when you need a lot of pressure and not necessarily to be able to uh, make a tourniquet. But the downside to that one, if you need it as a tourniquet, it's really, really difficult to put that SWAT T on yourself and make it into a tourniquet. The other two, if you practice just a little bit, you can put those on yourself. As law enforcement officers, we carry uh, one of those tourniquets either on our belt. Our department has the CAT tourniquet, the combat application tourniquet. You can put it on with one hand. It's either on our belt or in one of our pockets on our offhand side. So we know where your buddies is located if we come upon him and he needs it. Another thing that we've made is what I call a blowout kit, and I've actually made one to carry. We wear the BDU-type pants, the cargo-type pants, and I've made a blowout kit to go in my left pocket, and it has a couple of rolls of gauze, a couple of bandages, and a roll of medical tape, and it's vacuum-sealed to be able to fit into that pocket. We just use our food saver, suck all the air out of it, seal it, fold it up, and stick it in my pocket. And I've actually pulled it out and used it on a gunshot victim. Thankfully, I've not used it on myself. That's what it's there for. But I was able to use that on a gunshot victim one day. Another, and this is the last one we'll really touch on here, is what we call a rec bag. It, it's a medical bag, has even more gauze, bandages, tape, even has a SAM splint. That goes into the back of the car when we're traveling. I was a paramedic for 19 years, so it's handy to have more bandaging if we come upon a wreck, as we had one happen right behind us one night traveling back home. It's nice to be able to just grab that and have more to work with. Chris, what are some of the other things that folks might want to consider carrying? Okay, yeah, there's some other things that you may want to consider for your everyday carry, and that is an umbrella. You can actually get these telescoping umbrellas that are as small as the length of your hand. Those are nice to have because we've all been caught in the rain and wished we had an umbrella, and so now I carry an umbrella. Actually, I have several different sizes. Also something to carry around because of all of our electronics and our connectivity. You want to have extra thumb drives, flash drives, maybe even an external hard drive, something like along the lines of a passport. We're just in that electronic world now, and it's sometimes very important to be able to have an extra thumb drive or a flash drive. Uh, you know, not only to have empties to load, but also keep some of your things with you. You may have some marked thumb drives that may have important documents or photos or whatever you want on there. You want to keep a record of those because in a house fire, you may lose your computer, but if you've got your thumb drive of photos and documents, you're good to go. I keep a couple in my pocket or in my bag. Mm -hmm. One of them has a lot of music on it. One of them has, like you're talking about, uh, backup files for the podcast, for our books. 
and just a bunch of different files that I don't want to lose. You know, that's something we want to encourage uh, our friends and family that have been dealing with these, especially the hurricanes and tornadoes. When they're dealing with destroyed homes, flooding, files getting lost, it's very important to be able to have your identification and important documents. You may want to have copies on a thumb drive of your insurance, your home insurance, your car insurance, your health insurance, names and numbers of doctors, relatives, things that something you can grab and put in your pocket if you have to exit your home very quickly. You'll know, at least in your pocket, you've got a record of all the documents that pertain to you, your mortgage, your bank account information. Be very secure with it. We don't want you handing it off to people. But what a ease it is to be able to go to a government authority and be able to hand them a thumb drive and say, here is my information, and they can download that, and they can process you so much more quickly than... Another thing that we we don't think about today, put your contact list on that thumb drive. Yeah, your next of kin, your friends, your family. We don't memorize phone numbers anymore like we used to. We don't. I probably know five or six phone numbers, actually. And we don't have phone books today. You can't look up numbers like you used to. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you can dial information to get a phone number anymore because so many people carry cell phones and do not have a landline. Right. So it's a good idea to have those backed up to a thumb drive to be able to pull those up if you have a problem with your phone like I did week before last. And I had to rebuild those. Another good thing is to back that stuff up to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to be able to pull that down. Okay. Another thing to carry is some tools. Simple tools. Just tool. some simple tools. My dad always carried a screwdriver on his keychain. And he usually had a four-inch adjustable wrench in his pocket. And he was pulling those out all the time, doing different things. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how handy that came in. Something else that you might want to carry is a lighter. And we're not going to tell you that you have to have an absolute certain brand. But when it comes to fire-starting devices, we are a little bit picky. In fact, we're a lot picky. We have done it dollar store way and we've done it other ways and we have found out through trial and error time after time after time the name brand lighters are the best the Bic or the Scripto we just don't even want to buy the dollar store lighters anymore because they're just not going to hold up yes they're cheap but you get what you pay for. If you're going to invest in a lighter, an actual butane lighter, get something that can either be refilled or get a brand name Bic or Scripto. They won't let you down. Also, something else to have is some paracord. You know, paracord bracelets got real popular for a while, but they actually are twined cord device that you can actually undo and actually use. Most of those have it. about 9 to 11 feet. Mm-hmm. That's a good long length. Now, if you're carrying an EDC bag, you can also put in a 25-foot length or a 50-foot length. Sure. You can even buy packages of cord that are already wrapped up that could be 20 to 50 feet long, and it's just all nicely wrapped up. But if you needed to tie something onto a car or a roof, or if you needed to double it up and throw it out for someone to to grab onto, to just hang on till help comes if they're caught in a raging stream or whatever, sometimes having that bit of cording is going to make all the difference in the world. Or as I had to do one time, make a leash for a dog. Make a leash for an instantaneous leash for a dog. Open the bag, cut off eight or ten feet and tie it to the dog and tie a loop in the other end hold on 
Something else you might want to carry along with you is a bandana and a goodly sized one. I usually like to get about a 24-inch square bandana, something large enough that if you need to cover your head, your face, your eyes, if you needed to have that shielding, maybe sun protection, or if you're trying to bind maybe a, an arm or a leg that's gotten injured, a bandana if it's going to help. You could make a triangular bandage with it. You could. You could filter water with it. You can blow your nose with it. I've actually started carrying a bandana instead of a handkerchief. Yeah, it's and more comfortable just, on the nose. They're more comfortable. They're soft. Uh, once they've been washed a few times, they're very soft. Uh, so a bandana is something good. Now, here's something I carry in my bags, but I need to replace here pretty soon, and that's extra reading glasses. Yes, you do. You're forever losing your reading glasses. Um, forever. <laughs> and I found them. The pair I lost the other day, I found them. Oh, good. They were on my head. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Well, all right. That, um, that happens more often. Yeah, but, extra uh, reading glasses. Have some extra reading glasses. Or sunglasses, you. too. You know, that carry extra sunglasses, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a power kit. What do I mean by a power kit? Plug-in charger cords, uh, USB plug-in chargers. We even have an inverter plug-in device in our car. It's actually a plug plugged into the car and it's actually like a wall plug and we can actually use it as a, a regular plug head to put our USBs in. And uh, it's just good to have a small charger head and cords. Something you can carry in a little small box or something like that. But I also carry it in there. I wind up someplace and need to charge my phone. I've been sitting at the hospital or something. And I can pull that it's a little drawstring bag in my bag. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, a power head. I've got a car 12-volt head in there. And I've got a couple of different cords to fit any device that I happen to have. So I can pull that out, use what I need to charge my phone, roll it back up, put it back in the bag, and go on for next time. I'll tell you something else people carry is those little automatic charging devices. We used to call them Power Rock. Now they look more like a bar or a large bar or a tube. It's it's a it's a device that is charged that you can it's a plug. Power into. bank. It's a pl- power bank. Yeah, carry one or two of those and keep them charged up at all times, so that you're not caught out in the middle of a the Grand Canyon or some mountainous road where you're just not able to do any charging. That that power bar will help you out a lot. So those are some of the things that we think that you might want to consider carrying. Some of the things that we carry in our bags. And we've just come across a need for from time to time. Now, let's talk about something. This is a very personal choice. It's controversial for some folks, but that's some type of a defensive weapon. And one of the most common is a handgun. As I said, that is a personal choice that requires a prior decision having been made that you could use that handgun in defense of your life or in defense of your family's life. Until you've made that decision, don't even begin to carry a firearm. But if you're going to carry a firearm, be legal with it. Get a concealed carry permit. Some states, they're not needed. Some states, they're not needed if it's open carry. That's a whole nother discussion right there. But in our state, you can carry openly without a permit. But if you cover it with an article of clothing or if you get in a vehicle, then you need a concealed carry permit. So be legal with that. Get training. Let me say this. If you're in a state that requires a CCW class before you get your permit, like Krista did when she was in North Carolina. That is not training. That's familiarization. 
and that's really more about their coverage of liability. But get some training with that weapon. Become proficient with it. You legally carry a handgun. You've practiced, and you've become pretty good. Do you know when and how you can use a firearm? Can you make that decision in a split second? The base handgun training system will take you through shoot-don't-shoot scenarios and teach you the critical things to do and not to do when the police arrive. Remember, there's a huge difference between practice and training. Get the training. Check it out. Base handgun training system. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Use the code PRACTICALPREPPING, all one word, for a $50 discount. Use a good holster. Your handgun needs to be in a holster. It must be in a holster. You You can't just stick it down in your pocket. There's a number of different ways to carry, a number of good companies, uh, crossbreed, alien gear, safari land, Bianchi. There's all kinds of pocket holsters, belly bands. And I just tried recently something that I actually kind of inherited, and that's a sticky holster. It's got a real sticky outside, and you can carry it inside trouser, you can carry it in a pocket, and it will stay put when you pull the handgun out. And I need to do some more testing on that. But when we're talking about defensive weapons, we can be talking about a knife as well. If you're going to carry a knife for defense, you need it to be readily accessible. You need to have some training with that. And as a young police officer in the academy, we were taught in a knife fight, just expect to get cut. So that's something that you just need to be aware that could happen. Stay in the fight. Don't give up if you see blood, whether it's yours or somebody else's. Last thing I'll touch on there for defensive weapons is a tactical pen. That's like a steel pointed pen that you can use to stab somebody with if you get into that situation. But actually any pen will do. You can carry any pen and use that as a defensive weapon if you're being attacked. Get as dirty as you can, as quick as you can, and get meaner as you go. That's what I've got on defensive weapons. Chris, you got anything else to add to that? Yeah, I do want to speak specifically to the ladies, primarily because initially most of us are thinking, well, I'll just carry my gun in my purse, my regular purse. And I have known some ladies to just take a a lone gun and load it and drop it right down on the bottom of their purse along with their ink pens and their checkbook and their cosmetic case. It's not in a holster or anything, and that's got to be the worst possible way you can carry one. The next up from there, which is a much better choice, would be what's known as a concealed carry purse or concealed carry handbag. They're specially designed for you to be able to access your handgun if you feel that you need it. Now, in my personal opinion, I think they're great, and I think a concealed carry weapon handbag is a much better idea if that's your comfort level with carrying your firearm, then by all means, be comfortable with it, and you should actually what I call dry fire train with it. You should train with an unloaded firearm as far as being able to access it if you're still going to carry it in a bag. Personally, for me, 
I have made the decision to carry my firearm on my person with a belly band. And a belly band, I choose it because most of my clothing does not have a waistband or belt loops or heavy material to carry a holster. And a belly band is comfortable, adjustable, and completely concealable. And actually is so comfortable, I forget, really, I don't feel that I'm wearing it after it's been on me for a little while. And it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a tunic top, a blouse, a dress, or whatever I'm wearing. I can access that firearm regardless uh, of what's going on. And I don't have to reach into or reach for a purse. I have known people who have been attacked by robbers, and the first thing they take off of a woman is her purse. And if your gun is in your purse, you're in trouble. And so having that firearm on your person, that's my choice. It may not be your choice. I respect your choice. But I'm just telling you, as someone who has listened to others who have been victims that they would have rather had that on them. So you'll see that belly bands are becoming more and more popular. There are men who wear belly bands. It's not just a female type of a choice. It's a male choice as well. And they're very effective in terms of the comfort level with being able to have your firearm on you. There will be times that I would drop my purse and run and let the would-be robber have my purse. I still have my firearm and my life and my safety, and I'm off the scene. And if all they're wanting is my money, they can have my purse. At least my gun's not in there. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about, for the, you know, especially for the ladies to really give it some thought as far as carry, responsibly carrying a firearm if that's your comfort level. So there you have it. EDC, everyday carry, it's what you need or what you may need or what you think you may need in your everyday routine. All right. Good talk, Mark. On Facebook, we'd like for you to join us on Practical Prepping. Our email is info at practicalprepping.info. Our website is www.practicalprepping.info. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Prepping Podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review. That helps make the podcast available for more people to hear. And if you know of someone who needs to start prepping or has recently started, please share this podcast with them. Until the next episode, remember, what do we remember, Mark? Stuff happens. Be prepared. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.